0: Greetings friends, this is Will Nicholas, your Odd Rev, bringing you the second season of the Deep Faith Nine podcast. Friends, this is Will Nicholas, and you're here with the Deep Faith Nine podcast, and today we're going to be looking at the episode Melora, which is the sixth episode of Deep Space Nine, season two and um, we'll be um, exploring today um, the themes that happen uh, and so the synopsis for this episode uh, which is titled "Malora," is about ensign Malora Pazlar. she is the first elation uh, species to join starfleet and used to a very low gravity environment as a result she's unable to move in a normal environment and needs a special wheelchair Malora is very tough on herself and doesn't want to accept any more aid than is necessary she wants to take a runabout on her own out to map the Gamma Quadrant, but Cisco demands that Dax join her. Bashir takes more than a passing interest and invites her into a Klingon restaurant. Meanwhile Quark uh, is about to do a very lucrative transaction on a 42 very rare rings um, of Paltris uh, with a trader Ashlock, when suddenly an old acquaintance of him of his drops in, uh, Cot Kot, uh, and Quark seems uh, to feel very threatened by him. Cot announces uh, that he's on the station to kill Quark uh, for perceived historical wrongs. Uh, and the Ferengi tries to do everything he can to convince him to do otherwise. I'm really excited today to be joined by Andy Calder, who is the Disability Inclusion Advocate for the Synod of Victoria, Tasmania. Uh, welcome, Andy.
1: Thanks very much, Will. Good to be with you
0: great um that you could join me today um i have a a bit of a pattern now that i've been uh in doing an entire season of this where uh, i invite new guests to share something of their experience of science fiction uh so andy i'll ask you the same questions i've asked the others who i've had first contact with uh on the these um episodes um when did you first start watching deep space nine
1: i think i watched it for the first time will about uh three weeks ago when you invited me to think about Uh, responding to this and joining you for the conversation so uh, I'm a novice you know I really um, I think the only experience I've had with earthlings was uh, as a kid in scouts when we had to do some uh, big expedition and uh, the people who were on the checkpoints were all called called earthlings but beyond that no What you've introduced introduced me to, again, I'm thankful for. So thank
0: you. Oh, well, I really appreciate um, you taking the time to talk to us here. And I have asked you specifically this, this week to come on because of your role in inclusion in disability and your advocacy work with the Synod. Um, so I, I guess the next question I normally ask about having a favourite episode or character in Star Trek is, is reasonably moot. Um, but I guess, um, what are some of the TV shows or popular culture media that you, you do enjoy?
1: I'm, I'm a bit of a documentary um, person. I, I enjoy watching docos, um, movies, of course, uh, series. Uh, I, don't, I don't go for really, really long series, I, I, usually about six to eight episodes. Uh, so yeah, I'm watching at the moment the Test Cricket one, which is on Amazon Prime. that goes for six uh, episodes since the Sandpaper Affair, and I'm really enjoying that at the moment.
0: Oh, fabulous! That's good. Well, um, well, I hope that um, we've been able to broaden your uh, your 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 universe um, by joining us on Deep Space Nine for this particular episode. Um, yeah. You've watched the episode a couple of times now. Um, what are some of the themes um, of theology, um, but also in terms of disability and inclusion, that jump out for you in this particular episode?
1: Yeah, look, it's really it's a really rich um, episode for exploring many themes in relation to the intersection of disability and spirituality or theology, however we language that. Um, the issues of language and how we talk uh, about each other so that we feel respected and uh, honoured. Um, there's a sense, too, of what is wholeness? What, what, yep. what, what does it mean to be a person, a human being? Um, the whole issue of healing is really predominant within this particular episode where we see the conversation from a medical point of view with Dr. Bashir uh, working towards what he thinks is a great outcome for Malora. Yep. Um, she has her doubts about it, but goes along with it for quite some time. The whole relationship of dependence and interdependence, which is really a very strong theme in this episode that, translates theologically from a Christian context to the to the body of Christ and how we understand that uh, in terms of uh, being servants and being people to each other yeah fabulous uh, the the and within that you've got the whole theme of vulnerability as well and and how how do we relate to our own vulnerability uh, and respect the vulnerability of other people and work appropriately with that. So there's some of the things that jump out to me, but um I'm sure as we go along other things will emerge too.
0: Yeah, as you say, this is a, a very rich episode, um, full of a lot of really important themes. And one of the things that a number of my guests have commented on over the over the last season and a bit that we've been doing this is that science fiction becomes in some ways a bit of a container where we can talk about potentially some very difficult and sometimes confronting issues, but at arm's length. Uh, and so rather than talking about specific people in specific situations, we can actually talk about them in, in a fictional sense, which actually allows us... Um, yeah. perhaps to delve a bit deeper and yeah. um and in particular in this case, one of the little twists or, or reversals that it's done is that uh malora um is is um certainly um, definitely able um when it comes to living in her own space in terms of the elations um they fly around in their low gravity environment um and uh, and in some ways um almost uh um uh, super abled in that environment when we see that low grav area um, in her quarters get switched off and she's suddenly able to take flight and move around and and, yeah. and there's a reversal there where Dr Bashir is now the one who is yeah. unable to navigate his environment and suddenly she can.
1: I thought that was a lovely cameo there where uh, they were able to um, adjust their, their gravitational forces and Suddenly, they were together in this uh, romantic kind of clinch and uh, scene where uh, previously there'd be this awkwardness and um, disparity about their uh, abilities or so-called abilities to, to 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 connect with each other. So I, I thought that was um, quite telling, really, in the in the whole picture of the the episode that we got some insights into. What it does mean when equality can can take place in yeah. a whole in a whole way. Um, I was going to comment on just the uh, firstly the Malora problem.
0: Yes, I like and, that phrase. Uh, yeah,
1: I'm sorry if I seem overly sensitive, but I'm used to being shut out of the Malora problem. The truth
0: is, there is no Malora problem until people create one.
1: I'm used to being shut out of the Malora problem. The truth is there is no Malora problem until people create it. Yep. This is in relation to the conversation with Dr. Bashir when she first arrives there. She says, I don't need a medical opinion to tell me my own capabilities. Yep. And I object to being treated like someone who's ill. Um, so she's, you know, she's pretty assertive. and And you think that comes out of what she's experienced of being condescended to um, her experience, I'm, not, I'm surmising here, but, you know, that she's found herself being talked down to and talked about when she's not in the room. And she she does mention that again later when she's coming into the uh, control room about uh, it looks like you've been talking about me, you, yep. you know, whether I'm capable of running this ship by myself or not
0: she even asks right. uh, as she comes in there if uh she'd missed the timing of the meeting um that they'd sure. actually gathered so she she's not um jumping at perceived issues here these are real issues um in terms of they they had called a meeting that was earlier so they could talk about the the Melora problem um and they they did include a medical opinion when perhaps another officer may not have actually have required that so in the experience of your work with the Uniting Church and advocacy, um, is this the kind of thing that you hear from, from people in a similar circumstance?
1: Oh, look, you frequently hear it, Will. Um, And, but then, you know, also I wonder, and I worry sometimes that I don't hear it enough, that people have been kind of conditioned almost that they can't have their voice and it's not encouraged. So for me, that's absolutely primary, that people uh, are encouraged, are invited. Uh, there's a culture and a climate that is established that people feel as though um, they can be invited into conversations. They can be treated as if, you know, any like anybody else within the room. But, yeah, I mean, experience tells me that, that doesn't always happen because people are awkward often about feeling they're going to say the wrong thing. um, So they perhaps don't say anything at all. Um, So my rule of thumb is that um, in terms of treating everybody the same, you just start with saying, hello, my name is, and take it from there because people are often waiting for that opportunity to be presented where they may have been, a little bit um, not coming forward by virtue of history and how they've been treated in the past.
0: <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Um, I did a little bit of research, um, as I tend to do around this beforehand, and I imagine that some of these insights about how Malora is feeling uh, in community have actually come out of um, the director. Now, the director for this episode, uh, Evan uh, Carlos Summers, the writer and director of this episode, uh, who also yeah. um did um the the episode Battle Lines um which okay. was um uh, earlier on um he um uh, is a paraplegic uh, and and spends his time in a wheelchair and so uh-huh. um this episode I guess allows him a bit of a voice to communicate some of his experience as well so
1: Yeah well it's interesting that um the episode is built on somebody's lived experience and um, again, I think that builds on what we're saying about finding your voice and, and having your voice um, able to be heard. And I use that word heard a little bit loosely because yep. um, people talk in all kinds of ways and communicate in all sorts of ways and we need to be attentive to that. Um, so I mean, one of the, well, there's three things in the course of my work that are really important and it comes out of, listening and hearing what people say is important to them. And those three things, and they they are these, and they all get a bit of a run in this episode. Um, the first is that in terms of faith communities, uh, people want to be able to physically get into the place. Yep. So in into the worship space, into the social areas, wherever gatherings are happening for people. Um, the second is that, what people have said to me is they want to feel welcome. They they don't want to feel like they're treated as an outsider or as a stranger or as somebody who's, you know, like a freak show. Um, And the third thing that people say very consistently is that they want to have a say. They want to have a say about their contribution, their involvement in the place. And that can be from uh, preaching through to... Sunday school leadership to taking up the collection, whatever it is that they feel comfortable with doing, that we're all open to the possibility that people can do things beyond expectations. Yep. And I think that's what often people find, that they're just their expectations are diminished because people don't see the possibilities. So some of these things come through. You know, in this Melora episode, there was, I think from memory, there was one episode where she tripped over a uh, going into a room. and
0: Found herself on the ground, crack, yeah.
1: Somebody had a crack at, you know, which architect would, you know, build something like this so yep. that I can't get in. Um, yeah, and the whole issue of welcome. Did she feel welcome in that place? How did people go out of their way to make her feel welcome? What did they... Learn. Did they go back into their shell when she was chastising or criticising them, or did they not get defensive and say, "Okay, let's see how we can make this work for all of us here"? Yep. Um, so to have open conversations, and uh, she wasn't backwards in coming forward about having a say. So I really like that. That you, and you know, the guy in the restaurant when they went out. <laughs> I like a customer who knows what she wants. <laughs>
0: Your dinner. There's nothing worse than half dead racht.
1: There's nothing worse than half dead racht. Racht, that's right. Yes, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I had a chuckle with that. So, I mean, that it, you know, she's somebody who's learnt to be assertive over the, the course of the journey, and um, all, you know, they're the sorts of things that people say you need to be able to um to do to really feel as though you've connected and uh able to contribute as anybody else would in a communal context
0: and as you say a a malora's ability to do that is is not necessarily the common um posture or or frame that um that a person with disabilities would present with that often um they've been conditioned culturally or or been placed in positions where it's where they don't feel they can actually be as forthright as Melora is through this episode. Yeah. And I guess that's where it's so important to have advocates like yourself who are actually able to um, sort of um, make space for their voices to be heard, not speak for them, as you say, but actually make space for them to be able to communicate where they're at and what matters for them.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, I think ultimately we're all advocates. Mm. Um, It's just whether we notice things and whether we... Uh, you know, with this whole COVID business, you know, do we notice that somebody with a mask on might be having trouble um, being heard or yeah. uh, if they're a person with hearing impairment, they need to be able to see the other person's mouth as it moves yep. to, to be able to communicate. So There's just lots of subtle and not so subtle things that uh, if we place ourselves in an open kind of stance to the world, uh, and and not be afraid of asking the question. Um, is there something here that we can be doing that's different, so that you're being fully respected and uh, involved in the situation? <clears throat> so, would you
0: suggest then this episode would be a useful tool for communities to um, to watch and actually um, think about and reflect on those various um, thoughts and ideas?
1: Yeah, you, you got a, you got the jump on me there. I, <laughs> For somebody who's not been into sci-fi before, I'm thinking, eh, this has got some legs here. Uh, so yeah, I'd, I'd certainly be thinking about using it myself in the future. And uh, you know, seems like you've got a, a, a good following of people um, who might consider doing likewise and spread the word. I think it's, I think it's a great way to go.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we um, last week, uh, Robin Yang and I had a really good conversation around. Uh, entry into culture and uh, formation of cultural identity because of the episode that was there. So, so each one of these episodes we're finding, and that's part of the reason why I've chosen to do this podcast is actually to be able to say, well, what are the ways in which they assist us or or provide us opportunities? So it's good to hear uh, somebody who's not not um, immersed in the world of science fiction actually also be able to say, yeah, there's 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 some value in in um, looking in this way. Yeah. Um, so I think we might move on from, from that first one around the, the culture and communication and advocacy side of things and talk a little about healing. You mentioned um, healing and wholeness um, and and, um, and also that intersection between that and the body of Christ. I, I think there's some really fascinating things uh, in here about that. Um, did you want to say a bit more about that?
1: Yeah, sure. The, the whole sense of, um, I think the doctor was symbolic of um, the sense that somebody isn't whole unless they're conforming to an expected body type or body expression or um, achievements. Um, So, you know, the church and people in the church are not immune from this whole societal thing about measuring people by a normative Standard, and it's just something that is called, it's called ableism, yep. where we define ourselves by a particular set of characteristics and features. And people who don't kind of measure up in that sense somehow need correction or somehow need to be brought into some conformist stance. Yep. So, the doctor and his work with Malura. Um, symbolized that to me Um, and in terms of the healing stories biblically it's a really interesting thing to explore around cure and healing and what do those two words mean cure potentially means that suddenly I can leap and sing and dance and uh, but healing in the gospel stories for me are about as much as cure, as much if not more about being reconnected to community, about being reconnected to God in a new way. Yep. Um, so the whole sense of Melora going down this pathway of thinking that perhaps she wasn't whole, um, you then see her towards the end saying, yes, I am more independent now as a result of this journey with you all. Um, especially the doctor but I don't want to go any further because I wouldn't be an Alasian anymore Yeah. Um, so she recognised that you know who she has been and who she wants to be are all contained in how she was born um, so the, the thing that struck me particularly around watching that was this sense that people define their own wholeness in their own way. It can't be defined by other people. Yes. Um, And I had a boss once who, um, by the name of Elizabeth Hastings, and she was working with us in the United Church, and she was Australia's first Disability Discrimination Commissioner. And she was born and lived with polio. And she used to say to me, tongue-in-cheek, wouldn't it have been better if Jesus had never performed so many miracles? Mm. You know, it would have made life that much easier for people with disabilities who come to church and experience people who want to heal them. Yep. And, you know, really, and anecdotally, I hear often people say, I don't want to be part of church because they're just going to try and heal me or talk to me in inappropriate ways around how my body should be different.
0: Especially um, when it comes to you know when they start talking about healing and faith. So you know if a person yeah. is is attending a service um, and and there's and there's a healing component in there regularly, um, yeah. and they go forward every week and uh, for some whatever reason, uh, and I'll do it inverted commas here, uh, God decides not to heal them uh, at that point in time for whatever reason. That yeah. creates uh, a, an, uh, an immense amount of tension and pressure, doesn't it? To to, oh, um, it can be,
1: yeah. yeah. Now, and it can be. I've heard of people who have been devastated by that because it, it just means that somehow they have added layers of shame or guilt that this whole relationship of sin and disability becomes even more pronounced. Yeah. Um, suddenly they're not healed. Well, gee, I must really be bad because I haven't been healed now.
0: <laughs> and I guess that's one thing this episode does for us is that because. Um, Malora um, um, is 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 able in some environments and not able in others. Um, yeah. There's no hint of that 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 connection between sin and disability that I see in this episode that yeah. that there's certainly no nobody nobody blames her for um, not being able to oh, and, and maybe and she doesn't even really blame herself. she she asserts to be to be better or stronger. And it's interesting we mentioned about the gravity coming off. Uh, with Doctor Bishir earlier, and that's almost bracketed later on in the episode where uh, she becomes the hero that saves the day yeah. at the end because they yeah. switch off the gravity and she's able to disarm the the bad yeah. guy. I guess that's the whole other thread that uh, we're not picking up too much on in this um, this telling of this story with Quark being threatened by um, criminal elements and uh, and all of that kind of stuff. They they the two threads join together at the end where Melora is actually able to rescue uh, the others Uh, and look there'll be certainly lots of opportunities for us in the future and have already been in the past to explore the nefarious quark uh and uh and his behavior (laughs) so i don't want the listeners to feel like we've ignored him but um but instead focused in very deeply and drilled deeply into one particular aspect of this episode
1: yeah, no, he he was a curious character there for me as an outsider to see him being woven through the storyline. So yeah, obviously, I'll obviously have to look at more episodes. I think.
0: Yeah, well, he certainly is fascinating. And the one that comes up next week, uh, I've actually got uh, Amelia Co Butler um, coming on next week to talk through rules of acquisition, uh, okay. which actually is entirely around the Ferengi and their uh, their Yankee capitalistic culture. Uh, yep. So um, so that'll be an interesting thing to delve into.
1: If, if your listeners are interested in this topic, uh, there's a, fan- well, I think it's a fantastic uh, BBC production. Um, it's quite dated. It's quite old, 15, 20 years old perhaps, but it's called The Fifth Gospel. Okay. And it takes people through the journey of uh, disability advocates who reject this whole notion of the way that the healing stories have been interpreted um i won't do too much of a spoiler alert but the fifth gospel is about uh wholeness and that people uh the fifth gospel is about basically accepting myself for who i am and that everybody else should accept me for who i am
0: that sounds really good where where can people find that do you have a link for that or is there a way Um, we can help people to locate it last
1: last time i looked for it well it was on youtube okay yeah. All
0: right. I might have a look, and uh, if I can find a link for that, then I'll include that in the show notes. Um, okay. Another thing I was going to include in the show notes was that I took the time this week to watch the ABC's program You Can't Ask That. A program. Yeah, uh, but uh, but they did one on um, on uh, people in wheelchairs, um, and um, there's some really really good insights that come out of that as well as a sort of a companion to this story. So if I can find those two links, I'll include them. Um, yeah. On the um, on the on the show notes, were there were there some final things that you wanted to um, to to pitch in on?
1: Um, well, just a little summary piece around this issue of assertiveness and uh, faith and healing. Yep. Um, a story that I remember hearing was uh, somebody who I think they were in a wheelchair, maybe in Flinders Street, in Melbourne, and um, somebody came up to them with in their mind good intentions and they said to the person in the chair you know if you had more faith you could be healed yep and the person must have had this said to them before because they came back with a doozy of a reply and they said well you know actually if you had more faith you could heal me yeah 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 so, in terms of Malora and this story, and her assertiveness and uh, faith and healing, I'll just add that one in because I think it's sort of summarizes a little bit of what we've been talking about.
0: Yeah, there's almost a, a level of disappointment with uh, Doctor Bashir when Malora makes the decision not to um, proceed with the further treatment. Um, that you know he's got this brilliant idea, and and in a sense, you can see that, that idea becomes um towards the the end they're more about him than about about her um he's he's and sometimes i think perhaps we we want healing for people we meet um with disabilities more i guess for our own reasons um than than for any level of concern or or empathy or compassion for them um that that there's a and I guess that's probably the thing we, we have to confront most in ourselves if, if we want to look for a, a place to learn is to, is to actually work through our own awkwardness in relation to relating to people with disabilities.
1: Yeah, I think that's really true. I mean, we all come with our own history and our own ways of seeing the world, don't we? And uh, how, we, how we, well, we can't throw them away, but how we work with those to have a respectful conversation with somebody else to ask them in the course of a conversation, if it does come up as you would with anybody else, the question, you know, what does healing mean to you in your life or um, and then see where it goes from there. Yep.
0: Great. Well, that's been absolutely fabulous.
1: Um, as always on the deep
0: faith nine podcast time goes so quickly. Um, and um, that's all we've got time for today. Um, there will be other occasions where these Themes and others um, will rise as we go through the seven seasons of Deep Space Nine. Um, would you be happy to come back and have a chat about um, one of those in a future
1: episode? Yep, sure. Thanks, Will. That uh, you'll you'll make a sci-fi fan out of me yet.
0: Well, that's uh, that's part of the uh, evangelical nature of uh, <laughs> of the Trekkie in me is that uh, I'm 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 pretending to be talking about theology, but I'm secretly trying to get more people to watch science fiction. You do it well. Thanks. Great. Thanks, Andy. We'll catch up with you again um, soon. This has been the Deep Faith Nine podcast, and I've been Will Nicholas.